everybody. This is Josh, one of the pastors here at Redemption City. This is a teaching that goes along with our Become Like Jesus class that we're doing here in January of 2022. But, you know, if you're not in the class, that's cool, too. If you're listening in the future, that's even cooler. Uh, But the idea is to have some teaching in podcast form prior to our class time so that we can kind of maximize interaction and engagement with... uh, with each other, with the content, all that stuff when we are in person. Before we jump into the first discipline that we're going to look at in this class, I want to take a minute and talk about an important idea that kind of frames our discussion around the disciplines, which is basically to make the distinction between discipline and practice. Uh, We're going to look at eight disciplines that can be practiced in many different ways. The idea is basically there's a general discipline, like today we're going to, right now we're going to talk about silence and solitude, that we would then bring into our lives through specific practices. So the discipline is kind of like the general concept, practices specifically like what we are going to do today or tomorrow or this week, whatever. And I think this framework can bring a lot of cohesion and collaboration in a community of people following Jesus together without the hope you know, to be overly prescriptive of rigid, like everybody follows Jesus this way. Like, I don't think it should be, everyone can do anything that seems right to them. I think a community can and should maybe have some like normal rhythms that they do together. But, uh, but then we need to practice those rhythms in a way that fits our lifestyle, our personality, our stage of life, all that stuff. So for example, we could all be doing the discipline of silence and solitude, but practicing it in very different ways. Maybe you know, someone is single and, and can just do like an hour in the silence and solitude with God each morning. Or maybe someone's a pastor and can take a, a work day each month for a silence and solitude retreat. Or maybe someone is a mom and goes for, you know, a silent walk every day when her husband gets home from work or something like that. It could look lots of different ways. But the, we're all doing the same discipline, but practicing it in different ways. So you can chew on that as we discuss these disciplines and we can discuss it in class. And as we go through each discipline, there'll be an entry level, kind of like just get your, you know, get your feet wet, try this out, and then a, a reach uh, goal for how to practice the, the discipline. Uh, the first one we're going to talk about today is silence and solitude. I love grandiose, big statements, and so I thought I'd share one with you. This is from Blaise Pascal, a famous theologian, mathematician back uh, in the 1600s, I believe. He said, all of humanity's problems stem from man's inability to sit quiet, quietly in a room alone. All of humanity's problems stem from man's abili- inability to sit quietly in a room alone. Maybe that's true. Maybe it's not. I think there's a lot of weight to it uh, where we are all so busy and so out of touch with who God is and who we are and what we're actually thinking and feeling. We operate from this place of distraction. A, a lot of messies, messy things happen. Silence and solitude, uh, to try to define it, is two things. Separating from other people and quieting ourselves in order to settle our souls in God. So it's the separating from others and a quieting of ourselves, our mouths, our minds, our bodies, in order to settle our souls in God. Psalm 46, one of those all-star psalms that we have in Scripture, and it's famous largely for verse 10 which says, be still and know that I am God. So this spiritual discipline is simply that, trying to do that. Just be still, be quiet, turn our hearts, our minds, our bodies towards God. When I started working at a church down in Louisville, part of the staff requirements was to do a day of silence and solitude each month. Uh, I I had literally never heard of this practice before. Like all my time in church and college ministry and even interning at a couple churches before this, uh, and my boss calls me into his office and says, okay, here's what you do. You, you get comfortable, 
maybe read a psalm and then you sit there. And at, at the time, I was like working full time at the church, doing full time seminary. I was newly married. I was operating at a pretty high RPM. And I'm like, cool, cool, cool. Then what do I do? And he was just like, that's it. You just sit there. And I was like, oh, okay, I'll try it. And so the next week or whatever, I try it. I just did it at home because I didn't even know that there's like retreat places or, you know, that it's good to go somewhere, not your house where there's chores or whatever. But anyway, so I post up in my chair and I uh, read the psalm and I wait. And uh, let me tell you, it kind of blew my mind. Like at the end of the day, I was like stomping around the house and my boxers just like with all this like stuff bubbling up and it was so intense it was like the first shot across the bow that like hey despite my like love for theology and the bible and all the stuff i'm doing for the church like things aren't quite as they should be below the surface and that's uh silence and solitude doing its work and i kind of say that as as a warning to be honest you know like it can be really hard especially at the beginning got like a backlog of stuff tucked down you know in the deep parts of our soul that we need to deal with Henry Nouwen kind of describes silence and solitude like this, which I think is true, definitely at least in part, of silence and solitude. In order to understand the meaning of solitude, we must first unmask the ways in which the idea of solitude has been distorted by our world. We say to each other that we need some solitude in our lives. What we really are thinking of, however, is a time and a place for ourselves in which we are not bothered by other people, can think our own thoughts, express our own complaints, do our own thing, whatever it be for us. Solitude most often means privacy. We've come to the dubious conviction that we all have a right to privacy. But there's more. We also think of solitude as a station where we can kind of recharge our batteries or as the corner of a boxing ring where wounds are oiled, our muscles massaged, and our courage restored by fitting slogans. In short, we think of solitude as a place where we gather new strength to continue the ongoing competition in life. But that's not the solitude of St. John the Baptist, of Jesus, or any of the other great saints of old. For them, solitude is not only a private therapeutic place. Rather, it is the place of conversion, the place where the old self dies and the new self is born, the place where the emergence of the new man, the new woman occurs. Solitude is the furnace of transformation. Now, I think there definitely are some restorative therapeutic aspects of silence and solitude, especially as you get into it. But I think old Henry Nouwen definitely has a point. And seeing silence and solitude as the furnace of transformation where the stuff is burnt away, like the the, the chaff, it kind of pulls away, the distraction is gone, and we can see things as they are. Silence and solitude... uh, was a bit of a surprise for me exploring because I come from a very Bible-heavy background growing up in church and going through seminary, and I'm super thankful for that background. But when I started to press into spiritual formation and really seek, you know, real transformation in the the messy, broken, ugly parts of my life that I could see were not in line with all the scripture that I knew, it was surprising to me to find that a lot of the old wise guys in the spiritual formation world, they say silence and solitude is the most important one. It's the foundational one that all the other uh, disciplines are kind of built on. And I was like, wait, what? It's not the Bible? And there might be some good pushback or nuance with that. But the line of thinking goes from these old guys is that if we are not settled, mind, body, and soul, then Scripture will have very little opportunity to get into us and and shape us and break us. Like if we're so distracted and frazzled and busy and anxious about all this stuff and we're we're trying to get Scripture into us, it's going to be limited in its effect. We all say that following Jesus is about a relationship, but then practically, for me, I didn't 
I realized I never really listened to him. I was busy with Jesus-y things, but I wasn't super present to him. So silence and solitude is a way to practically embrace that relational foundation with the God who, Scripture tells us, reconciled us to himself through the cross of Christ. Because Jesus has brought us to God, redeemed us from sin and death, we can now draw near and be intimately close to God. You could kind of think of it like a marriage. You know, if a husband and wife are, you know, legally married, uh, you know, they're officially married, but they're rarely alone together. They're distracted when they are together. They rarely listen carefully to one another. That relationship is going to be weak and might not last. Like even if, you know, the husband and wife, they're doing a lot for each other. They're serving each other a lot or they're telling other people how great their spouse is. Like all these good things, if there's not that like intimate knowing and being with it's going to not it's not going to be that solid of a relationship i don't think any of us would want a marriage like that silence and solitude creates space in our hearts so that when we come to scripture we can really receive we can really hear what the holy spirit might say to us silence and solitude creates space where we can become aware of the emotions and anxieties that often exist below the surface of our lives and that and but then even though they exist below the surface they often drive our actions and cause us to act in unloving ways and so Silence and solitude gives us space to cast these cares, these anxieties to our Father, so then we can instead be driven by love, the love that we receive in the gospel, the love that in the Holy Spirit we can uh, express for other, express to other people. Silence and solitude creates space where we can receive from God the ferocious love that he has for us in the gospel. And, and one thing I want us to see today is that silence and solitude is something all over scripture, all over Jesus's life while he was here on the earth. In the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you see Jesus getting away in silence and solitude regularly. It's not some new agey thing or a Christian version of mindfulness that's all on trend right now or something just for like fluffy, touchy-feely people. It's straight out of the life of Jesus. And as we've said in other places, sermons, whatnot, previous podcasts, we can't have the life of Jesus without the lifestyle of Jesus. That's what Dallas Willard calls the secret of the easy yoke. If we want the peace and courage and love and power of Jesus that we see in the Gospels, we must yoke ourselves to him, walk with him, learn from him, do what he does, like silence and solitude. So I just want to read a bunch of places where the Bible shows us our Lord and Savior separating from other people, quieting himself in order to settle his soul in God's presence, God the Father's presence. So just let these passages wash over you as I read them. Mark one thirty-five. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Luke 5, 15-16. The news about him spread all the more so that the crowds of people came to hear him to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Luke six twelve through 13 Jesus went up on the mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. Matthew fourteen thirteen. When Jesus heard that John the Baptist had been beheaded, he withdrew by boat to a, privately to a solitary place. Matthew fourteen twenty three. After Jesus had dismissed the crowds, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was still there alone. Matthew fifteen twenty nine, Jesus went up, went on from there and walked beside the Sea of Galilee. He went up on the mountain and sat down there alone. Mark six forty five forty six. Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into a boat and go before him to the other side to Bethsaida, while he dismissed the crowd. And after he had taken leave of them, he went up on the mountain to pray. It's amazing to me that even in the midst 
of an incredible full ministry, Jesus' life was marked by time away alone with his Father. I just love this about Jesus. One of my passions in life is wholeness, having the full scope of reality and health, you know, the, all the balances and all that. Just the, and then the wholeness of Jesus. Blah, blah, blah. I just love this about Jesus. One of my, the passions of my life is wholeness, like having the full scope of reality or the, all the components that make up health and wholeness. And you see that in Jesus' life. He did so much stuff. He walked in such captivating power and taught as no human had ever taught and healed so many people yet he wasn't in a hurry he had boundaries he got away to drink deeply of the love of the father he was active and contemplative and of course you know we might have a natural inclination towards one of those ways of being but jesus shows us the the full picture the holding and releasing engagement and retreat the, the action flows out of communion with the Father. The communion with the Father naturally flows into active love towards other others. Otherwise, as First John would say, we don't have the love of the Father in us if we don't love our brothers. Um, so that's me trying to get at the nuances here. I'm not saying don't do anything or only get away or whatever. But it would be good for us to ask the questions, you know, uh, and when we look at the doing, the activity of ourselves, of our church family, of our culture, you know, are we doers at the expense of a deep inner life of communion with God? Does, as Pete Scazzaro would say, does our doing for Jesus flow out of our being with Jesus? So practically then, here's how you do silence and solitude. Pick an amount of time. Our kind of entry level practice is 15 minutes a day. Set a timer, not on your phone, because, you know, for silence and solitude, your phone should be, you know, turned off in another room or in the trash can, set it on fire, whatever. And then, you know, you get in a comfy chair or lay down on the couch or the floor and just be there just to receive. Like it's, that that is one of the, like the treats, even if hard stuff bubbles up in your mind or your heart, like the gift is that you don't have to make anything happen. You don't have to come up with the insights or anything. Take some deep breaths and maybe pray David's prayer from Psalm 139. Search me and know me, O God. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting, the, the path of eternal life. And then be still. Take some breaths. Maybe, you know, do a body scan. Start with your toes and just kind of like feel your body up from your toes all the way to your head. And when your mind wanders, which it will, there's no guilt or shame, just be curious about where it wanders to, what you're thinking about. So the point is not to have your mind be completely blank, but to be still and silent enough so that you can get a sense of what is actually going on in your soul. And then as it comes up, you just offer it to God who is with you, who looks upon you in love and grace and kindness in Christ, no matter what your monkey mind is doing, no matter how bad or wrong or angry or lustful, you know, the, the monkey mind is. So maybe you're lying there and all of a sudden you get swamped by a, a memory of an ex-girlfriend that you feel a lot of guilt about. That's not a disruption of your silence and solitude. That means it's working. You can then begin to pray. You offer that up to God. I, I feel so guilty about this. Like I know Jesus took away my guilt. He paid the penalty for this sin that I'm experiencing, but I'm clearly still hanging on to it. Would you like apply Jesus's work on my behalf to my heart again? Or maybe your mind is just immediately on your kids and worries about them, how helpless you feel to be everything that they need you to be and just bring that before your Father. Pour out your heart to Him. Feel God feeling you, looking upon you with love, 
seeing you in your vocation as a mother, empathizing with you and speaking words of fatherly love and encouragement over you. Maybe you do some SNS, some silence and solitude, and you you fall asleep, and that's okay. As you drift off, you think about God's in control so you can fall asleep in the arms of your father. Psalm 127 says, he gives to his beloved sleep. And, you know, side note, maybe consider going to bed earlier, whatever. That's another podcast. Silence and Solitude is about getting rid of our words and our distractions so that we can commune with God deeply. Uh, so, yeah, the entry level is 15 minutes a day. And, you know, you know, maybe you just try once a week at first or 10 minutes a day, whatever. You know, you can tweak it uh, as you need to. But that, that idea of just starting with that space, offering that time up to God to be present to him. Uh the key is to just do it. In my experience, silence and solitude is like a it's like a muscle. Like working out, you know, for the first time is brutal. It, it hurts. You're sore uh, because you know the reality is a lot of us live lives that are you know maybe unintentionally designed to avoid all the stuff that comes out on silence and solitude. Uh, but I think there's treasures there when we let that stuff come up and offer it to God. And the reach level for this this discipline is to do an extended retreat of four to eight hours. Uh, don't freak out. You know, that's a reach level. Work up to it or, you know, maybe try to plan to do it once between, you know, now and Easter or do it once over the summer or something like that. You probably will need help from a spouse or friends or whatever. Um, but out of, you know, this practice, this discipline of silence and solitude, a, a daily silence and solitude, a longer retreat can be super powerful. Like some of the most loved mo- moments I felt most loved by God have happened on silence and solitude retreats. Uh, now, some of you might be like, yeah, I'm an introvert, silence and solitude, I'm in. I want to be by myself and read a lot of books or you know, whatever, watch a bunch of Ken Birds documentaries or whatever. But I would humbly suggest that reading books or, or whatever doesn't count as silence and solitude. Uh, that might be something you should do. Like, you know, Bill Gates does his Think Weeks, you know, book a cabin and go read books. Like that, that, that could be a great thing. But let's just maybe not call it silence and solitude because uh, the key is to remove distractions and and, you know, some introverts I know, they're masters of distractions. They're just non-human distractions, you know, books, movies, podcasts, whatever. The goal is to be distraction-free and, and to be with God and hear from him. Because, uh, you know, even even scripture or like spiritual books can be a way that we escape actually being alone with God in ourselves. We can, we I think we should always frame silence and solitude, you know, with scripture, like maybe a psalm or something like that. Um, doing a meditative reading on a, a few verses from Jesus. Uh, but the key is just to really be silent and alone before God. To close, let me just read uh, or reread this pa- the passage from Mark 6, where Jesus gives his disciples a beautiful invitation. I think we, we can receive this invitation from Jesus. It says, Because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, Jesus said to his disciples, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. Hear the call of your King and Savior inviting you to come away with him and get some rest. That's all for today. I'll see you in class on Wednesday. Have a great week.